Welcome to Overflowing Bookshelves, a podcast for people who love the written word. Could you spend hours browsing through a bookstore? Is your happy place curled up under a blanket with a good book, or perhaps writing a story of your own? Are you constantly adding to your to-be-read list, even though your bookshelves are already overflowing? If so, this podcast is for you. Tune in to hear authentic conversations with published authors about their creative processes, paths to publication, and advice for living your most fruitful and inspired life. I'm your host, Dallas Woodburn, and I am absolutely delighted that you are here with us today. I am the author of the short story collection, Woman Running Late in a Dress, and the YA novel, The Best Week That Never Happened. I'm also a professional book coach, and I am passionate about helping people give birth to their own unique stories. You can connect with me at my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at dallaswoodburnauthor. Without further ado, let's dive into today's interview. A.H. Kim was born in Seoul, South Korea, and immigrated to the U.S. as a young child. She was educated at Harvard College and Berkeley Law School, where she was an editor of the California Law Review. She is a practicing attorney and has served as chief of staff to the CEO and head of investor relations at a Fortune 200 company. A.H. Kim is the proud mother of two sons, a longtime cancer survivor, community volunteer, and member of the San Francisco Writers Grotto. She and her husband live in San Francisco. A Good Family is her debut novel. It, was just, it has received many wonderful reviews, including a starred review from Booklist. And I would highly recommend you check out this fascinating and really fun book. It was a pleasure to talk with A.H. and Kim today for this episode of Overflowing Bookshelves. Welcome to the podcast, Anne. I'm so excited to have you here. I loved your debut novel so much, and I'm just really excited to talk with you to learn more behind the scenes about how it came to be and about your life as a writer. So welcome. Thank you, Dallas. So maybe we could start off by just hearing a little bit about your writing career um, at the beginning. So how you first came to fall in love with writing and your um, path to your debut novel being published. Yeah. So being a published author is um, both a dream come true and a very short-lived dream in some ways, because I was not one of those people who grew up thinking that she would be a writer. Um, I've always been a really good reader. I've always loved books and, um, you know, just adored losing myself in other people's fantasies. Um, but I always thought that writing was like some special gift that you had that kind, that kind of came from the gods. And, you know, like if you had it, you had it, but if you didn't, you know, you, you, you couldn't be a writer. And then about eight years ago, I was on vacation and I was reading John Green's uh, The Fault in Our Stars. I love that um, book. The YA book. Yeah, I loved it. And by the end of the book, I was sobbing, as I'm sure everybody was. And I had this feeling like, I want to write a book like that. I want to write a book that touches people. Um, and so I did. I wrote a YA book that was about a young Korean girl growing up in like a white suburb, which is sort of my story. And like most aspiring authors, it went nowhere, right? So I tried to get an agent and I couldn't get an agent. And it was very frustrating because, you know, suddenly I had this dream to be a published author and now I couldn't do it. And it was really frustrating to me. 
So I um, decided, okay, I'm going to write like a juicy page turner that, you know, people really want to read because the other story was very sweet and heartfelt, but it was kind of hard to sell. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to write a really juicy pot boiler kind of story. And so that is the story that ended up being A Good Family, which ended up being my first um, published book. Wow. That's such a neat story. And I wonder, do you think that your young adult novel will ever like come back into um, something that you'll work on again, or that maybe it will end up being published one day? Well, I have been talking about this young adult book in my other like interviews and podcasts. And so people are starting to get interested. They're like, yeah, oh, I'm interested. Book. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so maybe, I mean, I, there's, there's a germ of a story there that's very sweet and I would like to preserve it. But because it was my first uh, time out and I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really know about like, um, I don't know, developing a plot or developing characters. It was just sort of fully formed out of my brain. Um, I would have to do a lot of work to make it publishable, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, so how did you get from the place deciding, I want to write this pot boiler, juicy page turner story to then writing your book? Were there any steps that you took, um, any things that really helped you um, kind of pivot in that way and, and change genres and, and write the book? Yeah, it was interesting. So I had that YA book that I had written, but I was so shy about sharing it with anybody. You know, I didn't want anybody to read it and then to criticize me or say that it was bad, which is really not a great starting point for being an author if you don't want anybody to read your book. Um, So then I had a friend who was a writer and she told me that she had this great writing coach um, named Chris DeLorenzo and that maybe I could share the book with him and he could give me some tips. And again, I was sort of so shy about sharing my, my writing that I, I couldn't even do that. But he had a weekly writing workshop in his home that he ran um, with about eight people. Um, and so I decided to sign up for that group. So every Tuesday night for about um, 10 weeks, we would get together. And you know, it's, it's sort of a standard workshop where he would provide a a prompt. We would write for 20 minutes and then we would read, go around the room and read what we had written. And it gave me courage because, you know, you kind of have to read in that group. And it gave me encouragement because people were were very positive about the little pieces that I wrote in 20 minutes. And um, at the time, my sister-in-law was going to women's prison. Um, So that was, of course, very foremost in my mind. So a lot of the prompts kind of triggered little stories about either me um, taking care of my nieces or spending time with my brother or seeing my sister-in-law off to prison. And so at the end of that like 10 week seminar, I had this like maybe a handful of stories that I felt like, Hey, I think these could actually string together and become a book. And um, yeah. So amazingly out of that one 10 week workshop, I had the core for the book. That is so neat. Wow. That's amazing. And that's a great lesson. I have a lot of writers who listen to the podcast. And I think your lesson about finding community, finding support is such a great one and such an important one. Like I I think when I first became a writer, wanted to become a writer, you know, I had this image in my mind of kind of like the solitary writer, the cabin in the woods, like, you know, kind of just being very alone. And I think a lot of the process, you know, you are just there in your head in front of the computer or the blank page, but it is so important to feel that sense of community and to get that feedback on your writing. And like you said, to get 
instead of being worried about the criticism, like instead to get some some praise and the things that help you feel confident, um, especially when you're so early in the drafting process. Yeah. So, so this um, writing workshop is um, held in what's called the, I think Amherst Amherst Writers and um, Artists Method, which is it, it stresses positive reinforcement rather than criticism. Um, because you'll always get criticism down the road. You'll get it from your agent. You'll get it from your editor, all that stuff. Um, but right at the beginning, when you're just kind of generating material, it's really great to get encouragement so that you find your voice and you have the courage to get your words down. I agree completely. I definitely, especially when I'm doing my first draft, um, I'm similar to you where I don't often want to share it with anybody how you were saying you didn't want anyone else to read it because especially when I'm drafting, it's like I have enough critical voices in my own head (laughs) that it's like just needing that encouragement to get it down. Um, Well, one thing I love about your book is your different characters and how well-developed they are. They all felt like real people to me. And, you know, sometimes I'll read a book that has, um, you know, multiple characters and it's like, I, I sort of gravitate towards one over the other. Like, you know, I like certain characters more and I want to read more of theirs, but with yours, I just felt like I was turning pages and I, I was really intrigued by all of your characters. Um, and so one question I had for you was just about developing character, um, and kind of how you, I guess, were able to um, to write this book with this cast of characters that is so varied, but so um, just appealing and interesting, you know, all of them. Yeah. Um, well, so thank you for saying so. I, I, one of my, um, I think it was an editor who took a pass on the book initially, said something like, oh, it's so strange to read a book that has all unlikable characters. And I was sort of horrified by that criticism or by that comment because... Um, for me, all of the characters were likable in their own way. I mean, certainly they're all flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at, you know, I think some people at initially um, like um, gravitate either to Hannah, who's the sort of the quiet, reserved law librarian, or to Beth, who's the glamorous pharmaceutical executive. Um, but I, I hope by the end of the book, you know, you, you kind of grow to like or appreciate both of them. Um, so what I joke about is that like, even though everybody thinks Hana is me, you know, like Hana and those are similar names. She's Korean American. I'm Korean American. She's a law librarian. I'm a lawyer. So I think a lot of people see that um, relationship and, and assume that I'm that character. And I am in many ways. Um, but of course, it's like my characteristics taken to an extreme. So like I am a rule follower, but Hana is like an extreme rule follower. Um, you know, I'm pretty self-sacrificing, but she's extremely self-sacrificing. So in some ways, I, you know, take the characteristics that I have myself and I kind of blow them up. Um, but the funny thing is that like Beth, the glamorous pharmaceutical executive, um, is also to some extent not based on me at all, like physically or anything, but she kind of makes the, the snarky remarks and the, and the kind of like critical judgments that I'm probably thinking a lot of the times, but I don't say <laughs> So, I mean, so all of the characters have aspects, of course, of me and them, um, or some people I know. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things uh, about being the age that I am, I'm, I'm going to be 55, is that I've had a long lifetime of experience with lots of different people and lots of different sort of types of people. Um, so, you know, I can kind of pick and choose characters in my history and kind of take elements of them and stick them in the characters, which is super fun. 
Yeah, that's great. And I, I love what you said about um, it being maybe different parts of yourself. And then the idea of taking it to the extreme, I think, could be really fun as well. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like a part of you, but also, um, yeah, but also not. Uh, could you talk a little bit about, so you mentioned when you first wrote your YA book and pitching it to agents and, and not getting picked up. What what was the process like um, with this book when you know you had the manuscript completed and then on the road to publication, um, what, what did that process look like for you? Yeah. I think anybody who's looked for an agent just knows that that is, I think that's sort of the most discouraging part. I don't know for, for me, at least it was the most discouraging part because you've written a book and you feel proud enough of it to, to hope that it gets published, but then you have to write this thing. That's a completely different animal called a query letter or a query email. And you kind of have to like, you know, boost yourself and, you know, you have to say it's a combination of this book and that book, or, you know, so you, you, you need to know the market. Um, and, uh, you know, like I, I don't have stories that have been published in journals or, or, or in other publications. So I didn't have that paragraph that typically goes into the query letter. So, um, I, it was definitely a lot of like looking on the internet at examples of good query letters and um, looking at the backs of books of that I would think would be my comparators and seeing who the agents were for those authors. That's so a great tip. A lot of research in terms of like both finding the agent who's the right fit for you, as well as like every agent has a different um, requirement. Like as you know, some agents want you to write the query letter and submit your first five pages or the first chapter or the first 10 pages or the first 50 pages. Some people want a synopsis. Um, so like with every single query, you have to tailor it to that person. Um, so that's a lot of work and oftentimes you get nothing in return. I mean, not even a rejection, you just get silence. Um, so, uh, with my YA book, I had reached out to, uh, my agent Kirby Kim, who has the same last name as me. And I kind of played the Korean card and said, hey, I'm Korean too. <laughs> and the book was about a Korean American. I was saying that there aren't that many stories about Korean Americans um, in the YA area. And he did not accept me as a client, but he at least responded mm-hmm. and um, said, hey, I actually have this other friend who represents YA books. You might want to query her, which is a gift you know, to, to get a referral to somebody else. And so I had him in the back of my mind as you know, just a good guy. Um, so then when I was querying for the second book for, um, a good family, uh, I thought about querying him again, Mm -hmm. but then I don't know if he changed his requirements or something, but he required a synopsis. And so that's yet another hurdle. Like a a synopsis tells the whole story. And I just didn't want to write a synopsis. (laughs) I've written a book. I've written a query letter. I didn't want to write a synopsis, but, um, Anyway, one day I was just at the end of my rope and I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to write that synopsis. And so I wrote the synopsis, sent it off to him, and he got back to me right away. Oh, wow. That's a great story. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to write that synopsis or, you know, write that whatever pitch letter that um, you didn't want to write. Yeah. Oh, I love love that story. That seems like it's meant to be. And then you can use your synopsis, I'm sure. It was used when pitching publishers. So that's one Mm -hmm. thing I've learned too with the process is it's like, there's always more um, things to write or like, you know, pitches to to perfect. Um, But it does seem like it sort of feeds into each other in a nice way sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
It's um, nice when the work doesn't go to waste. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I also want to ask you, so you mentioned how you are a lawyer. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit about your writing habits, like particularly how um, you're able to fit in the time to write, if you have any certain routines or rituals that surround your writing practice, um, particularly you know, with writing this debut novel. I have had some writers contact me um, after listening to the podcast and saying that it was helpful to feel inspired. You know, they haven't been published yet, but like it's helpful to feel inspired to make the time to write, even if you don't have this guarantee of publication at the end. Um, so I would love to hear about your writing practice and how you fit in your writing time. So I don't have very much writing time because I do have a full-time job. And um, so at least with a YA book, for some reason, I had the energy to actually write at night. So I would like have, I would do my whole day job. Um, I would make dinner for my kids, you know, help them with their homework, put them to bed. And then at like 9, 9.30, I would start writing. And then, you know, like when you're, I, I like in writing kind of like to running, you kind of get this runner's high or this writer's high where you're in the groove and you're just, the words are flowing and you feel so good about it. And then I'll look up and it was like two o'clock in the morning and I think, Oh my God, you know, in four hours I have to get up and go to work. And so that's how that YA book was written sort of, you know, at night and on weekends. Um, but (laughs) I'm, I'm too old to stay up that night that late now. So, um, a good family was written mostly just on weekends Mm -hmm. and, uh, at that time, my kids were in high school. And so there were things like high school swim meets and events that they had to go to. So I didn't even get every weekend to write. But I think the good thing about that is because my time is so precious, I really focus what I write. So I, I try to um, use my time really, really well. Um, I think the good thing about being a lawyer, though, is that I write basically for a living. So I am not kind of daunted by the idea of a blank computer screen or a blank page. Um, Words kind of flow pretty easily from me, um, although I have to do a lot of editing afterwards. (laughs) Um, And so I would also say, like, just for people who uh, want to write, but, you know, don't know if they'll ever get published, I feel like the act of writing is so enjoyable, like just creating the worlds and the words. Um, You know, sometimes I'll just be sitting there writing and I will, like, make myself laugh. I'll be laughing, you know, like... (laughs) Um, into space. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I say just write um, for the joy of it, not just for the outcome of having a published work. That is such great advice. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's great advice too, because that's the part that we have control over, right? We don't have control over the agents or the marketing or getting published, but we have control over the process of writing. And so I think that taking joy from that process is such good advice. Um, well, my last question before I ask you how how listeners can um, get in touch with you is about advice. So if you were to look back at yourself at the very beginning, you finished reading Salt in Our Stars and you decide, I want to write a book like this. Um, do you have any words of advice or wisdom that you, know, you would go back and tell yourself at the very beginning of the process? Um. So the funny thing was I was 47 when I started to, when I got, when I read the book and decided that I wanted to be a published author. And I said, all right, my goal is to be published by the time I'm 50. 
which was three years, right? And like now I find that so laughable because I mean, it took me, a, it takes, it took me 18 months um, from the moment that I handed in my final draft of a good family for until the book came out. Cause that's the, how the publication process works. So then you have to build in writing the book, editing, editing the book, getting an editor um, and an agent, all those things. So um, I would just say, be, be patient. Um, don't think that just because you're not getting a response from agents right away or from, um, you know, editors right away, that, that it's a failed cause. And maybe that first book won't sell, but you know, in, in my case, the second book sold. Mm-hmm. Um, so from start to finish, from that dream to now is eight years, which if I had thought about it then, I would be like, eight years, that's super long. But, you know, when you talk to writers, there are many writers who have been working for decades um, and still haven't had a published book. So eight years seems pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say patience and also perseverance. Keep Keep at it, especially if you enjoy it. I love that. That is such it's a great place to end. It's just flown by our conversation. I can't believe I was looking at the clock and I said, oh my gosh, I have to wrap this up. I could just <laughs> talk with you all day. Um, but what are the best ways for listeners to get in touch with you, find a good family um, and just connect with you? So the easiest way is to go to my website, which is www.ahkim, as in mother.net. And there, there are the links for the, you know, the buy links for the books. And there's also the links to all of my social media. And of the social media, I'm, I'm the most active on Instagram because it's just fun. Um, but, uh, I also, uh, post on Facebook and Twitter. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Dallas. It was really fun. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on Overflowing Bookshelves. If you enjoy this podcast, it would mean so much if you take a few minutes to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher to help other writers and book lovers find out about us. If you are kind enough to share this episode on social media, be sure to tag me at Dallas Woodburn Author on Instagram or Facebook. I love to surprise my listeners with fun prizes like free books and other literary swag. Also, I would love to hear your thoughts on the show and your ideas for future guests. Please visit my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com to connect with me and offer your suggestions. Until next time, happy reading.